Welcome to the Youthscape podcast, the podcast for Christians who work with young people. Christmas to everybody listening to this episode of the Youthscape podcast with me, Rachel Gardner, and my co-host, Martin Eggnog Saunders. How are you doing, Eggnog? I, um, I've actually decided to make a bit of a promise to myself this year that I won't, mm. I won't drink my body weight in eggnog. Uh, <laughs> in previous years, I've sort of had quite a healthy year and then blown it purely on the eggnog latte season. So I'm trying to limit myself to like two a week. I feel like two a week is is okay. I was at one point I was probably at two a day. So um, so two a week is 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 up from there. Very good. Now it has to be said that if I was with you in person, because we're recording this at a distance, so the sound quality might sound a little bit different. All of you very astute Youthscape podcast listeners, we are doing this at the Squadcast. But Martin, if I was with you, I would be presenting you with an eggnog latte right now. And what would you be presenting me with? Um. Well, the problem is I don't. I don't know if you have a Christmas drink because you are your flat white lady. I am flat white lady, I'm a purist, but I think it'd be Glühwein. I do love a hot Vimto at Christmas or a kind Ooh. of a, a kind of a Glühwein and breakfast. <laughs> I basically want you to set up a little mini Christmas market and there'd be a bit of live music, some kind of crappy toys for me to buy over like like ten pounds on a kind of a bath bomb, something ridiculous. And I'd yeah. like a, a black a breakfast and a glühwein. That would be what you'd present with me. Doesn't feel very equal, does it actually? <laughs> Do you know what? I think actually the price of an eggnog latte, you could probably get a Christmas sausage and a glass of wine. <laughs> well, there we go. I'm sure the Saunders family are rejoicing that there's more money in their Christmas stockings this year if you're not eating, uh, drinking eggnog. Anyway, so welcome everybody to this is our final episode before Christmas. So um, we have no paraphernalia, but we do want to, at the beginning of this episode, send you all our love and happy, happy, happy Christmas. And now we're not going to talk about Christmas. We've got a far more interesting conversation today. What more interesting than the birth of Christ our Saviour? As I said it, I realised I was wading into difficult territory there. But dare I say it, we know the Christmas story. We hear that quite a lot. For goodness sake, we're all going to be kind of dressing up as something inappropriate, aren't we, over Christmas with some kind of tea towel misappropriation on our heads. But we're going to talk about something a little bit that I don't think we've ever talked about on the podcast before, Martin. Mm -hmm. No, so um, we're going. So this is this season of the podcast is all about innovation, um, and so in that vein, we're actually taking a mid-season break, which we've never done. Very <laughs> so exciting! Innovative. Isn't that innovative? So this is like uh, season eight, part one, or something. I don't know how many seasons we've done, um, and uh, and so after in the new year, we'll get the second half of the season on innovation. But the, uh, the theme of innovation, we've sort of worked it out in various different ways. And we've talked to people who are developing innovative resources. And we talked a bit about processes. And I've talked about the book that's coming next year. Um, but today, we want to think a little bit about thinking innovatively in terms of who we reach and who we might be leaving out. And so I imagine when I say that, lots of people will think, OK, yes, there's lots of people who get excluded and left out. 
There's a list of people who we know we haven't done brilliantly with when it comes to reaching them. Um, but you may not think of this particular group. Um, and it's a group that is very close to my heart. Oh. And so today we're talking about nerd culture. Wow. I quickly Googled the word nerd because the first question I said to you was, actually, what is the right definition? Because I think we all instinctively know. Like I can picture straight away those superbly precious nerdy young people in, in the lunch club that I run. That I, I make a beeline for them because they're just so interesting. So I did a quick, quick Google. Um, and it's kind of someone who's really kind of obsessively, fanatically, passionately engaged with something. But actually, how we understand nerd is a little bit more specific than that. So Martin, as somebody yeah. who is dressing themselves in this label right now, you're oh. presenting. I mean, I can tell everybody what your name on Squadcast is if you want me to, if that helps uh. add to this. You can if you want, yeah. He's Dalek. He's put his name as Dalek, so that tells you everything. So, Martin, quick, give us a quick uh, resume. What is a nerd? Or who is a nerd? Well, it's one of those words, isn't it? Like, there's lots of words that change their meaning over time. And so if you called someone a nerd when I was at school, that was clearly an abusive term. Mm. Now, being a nerd, like, that's a segment of youth culture. And yeah. so, um, so yes, you're right. Nerd does just mean uber enthusiast. But as we understand nerd culture and as we're talking about it today, it's people who are into and passionate about a sort of agreed, I'm going to use the word oeuvre, which is just French for, what is that, egg? I don't know. Um, <laughs> eggnog. Uh, eggnog. <laughs> a huge eggnog of... Um, uh, of different kind of like stories and um, uh, movies and and uh, universes that have been created um, it, it, and TV shows and all that sort of stuff. And so you might, there's a long list, um, but you might talk about things like Marvel and you might talk about Dungeons and Dragons and Harry Potter and uh, a whole bunch of other stuff. And then And then there's certain music that fits in there and uh, and a load of other stuff and so on it's not an exhaustive list it's not like there's a list of things that are in and out of nerd culture gaming is in there you know but um but probably certain certain games rather than others yeah and so there's a kind of subculture of young people so there's lots of young people who like all those things yes all those things are liked by different young people but then there's like a proper chunk of young people who sort of define themselves by the fact that they're knowledgeable about passionate about geeky about those yes. things i let me tell you rachel yes. that my 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 uh interesting name emperor dalek here on this recording platform is a clue to my own past life as an uber nerd i got very very obsessively interested in the tv show doctor who tragically at just at the point when it got cancelled so you know it came back about uh, I don't know, 15 years ago. Um, but it used to, it ran for about 26, 27 years before that. Um, and then it was cancelled. So right at the end of that, I got super into it. But uh, but yeah, I was like a Doctor Who super geek. And it really was like my identity. Like people, But at the time, people made fun of it. There was no one else in my school who liked Doctor Who uh, at all. Um, and so, uh, and that's why it got cancelled. But it just, it was kind of my identity before, before I became a Christian, actually. And, uh, and I was, you know, I was a nerd, and I still got—I've still got bits of that now. I've talked about Marvel far too much on this, on this podcast. Um, but my my first foray into nerdism 
was the doctor. How powerful, Martin, is is nerd culture? You, you sort of say in your own sort of experience of being a teenager to a, an adult now, it's moved from being you really were the fringe, you were the only kid in your school that loved Doctor Who, to, to now if I think of young people that I was even with yesterday in lunch club, um, they're, they're way into the ner- nerd culture might be because they feel a bit disempowered. They're not, these particularly young people are not sporty, they don't enjoy sport. Um, they, you know, their interests, they're, they're really passionate about comics, they're really passionate about playing Dungeons and Dragons. That's the girls I was chatting to yesterday. But I look at them and think, it's given you a really powerful kind of sense of identity. They're quite strong, powerful, sassy. They're really upfront about their nerd culture. They're not afraid to say, yeah, I spend all day Saturday in the geek retreat cafe just playing Dungeons and Dragons. Like when I was their age, I'd never have confessed that to anybody. Yeah. So, so is it a powerful culture? Yeah, massive. And and what's interesting, I think, is the intersection with the digital revolution. So I think that's what supercharged all of this. So when I was a Doctor Who geek, uh, it feels like the title of a really boring memoir. <laughs> Well, when I was a Doctor Who geek, I, um, you know, it was on once a week. Uh, you know, you might, I might, I was, of course, a subscriber to Doctor Who Monthly magazine. Of course you are. Um, you know, and then I might go to the bookshop and buy a book now and again. But that was it. Those were the sort of tentpole moments in my month where I could engage with my passion. Now you can live it like almost like a religion. Mm. So it can give you these powerful kind of anchors in your life. These The things you're looking forward to as a nerd are probably all based in nerd culture. It's people like the, it's like the moments in their lives that they mark their calendar by, their rites of passage, that, you know, going to see that movie at midnight, you know, for people nerdy enough to go and see a movie at midnight, um, will be like a massive memory for them, be enormously formative. And these are taking like the place of spiritual experiences for young and old people, I think. Yeah. I think it's really important, actually. Yeah. That's interesting because these um these girls I was with yesterday, so it's guys and girls come to the lunch club, but there's one particular girl that I just, I love chatting with her. I did say to her, what would get you to darken the doors of a church? And she said, nothing. I will never go to a church. And I said, why won't you go to church? You come to this lunch club. She said, well, I'll never go to church because it just isn't my world. It is what you were saying, like this is her entire, she has to come to school. She has to stick a uniform on. She'll do that, she'll play that game. And she's a very bright girl. But where she's alive, where she lives, is these endless games she was telling me about that I've never even heard of. And it's just fascinating, just I sat with her thinking, I'm gonna have to stick close to young people like you and just listen to this unfolding because this is this is so fascinating to hear where you're creating your reality. and. And what is the connection with the gospel? Because I guarantee, I guarantee what's making her heart sore is probably similar stuff to when I was her age. And I, so my my nerding out was nothing cool. I've talked about this before on the podcast, but I was, you know, dressing up in the school costume cupboard outfits, these massive Victorian outfits and boots. And I was walking over the moors, like obsessed about ordering heights because I was obsessed about life and death and meaning, and I found in that book a book where someone actually talked about depression. I mean, it wasn't named that, but they talked about madness. She talked about fantasizing about dying. She talked about love. She talked about sex. And I, I had never come across any of that. And I wonder if, for a generation who've grown up in a very sterile world of 
safeguarding is very important. I'm not that this is not a, an argument against keeping people safe, but a world where we're very conscious of of what we deem to be appropriate t- subject matter for young people and then what isn't. Actually, the, the world of Dungeons and Dragons and Game of Thrones begins to open up conversations about all these massive things that they want to be connecting with. So it is. I think it's a. Fa- I think it's very important that we have these conversations and that we don't just think, "Oh, it's a young person going through a phase and it's a fringe thing," and they'll come back to reality at some point. I wonder. Are you a different person because of your obsession? That's what I want to know. <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. Well, we're going to get onto our our guest shortly, who's going to we're going to talk much more about this. Um, I guess I I think. One of the things we've tended to do as uh, the church and in youth ministry with nerd culture is we appropriate the things of nerd culture. And we say, let me tell you, you like Star Wars. Let me tell you about the real force that is all around us. You know what I mean? And we, we appropriate it and we say, great, we're not really interested in you and your culture and what's exciting you. Um, you know, let's... Um, uh, let's try and find a way of crowbarring in a gospel metaphor as quickly as possible. And I, d- I don't think that really helps or wins anyone at all over. I think it just tells nerds, okay, you're not really interested in me and my culture. What's interesting is some of the big emotional moments that people, young people experience growing up is engaging with uh, media particularly and um cinema and tv moments where something huge happens and and you just feel this rush of emotion and meaning you find meaning in something and and i was in an american cinema for the last avengers movie i watched it at midnight in new york it was like the best place in the world to have seen it and you could barely hear what was going on on screen because of all the whooping and hollering that was going on yeah. and um and and you sense that people really just having this incredibly cathartic, meaningful experience, and I think I think that's great. I don't think we need to appropriate that. I think we can we can value that and honor that and connect with that. Yeah. Uh, and say, you know, this is great. Like we love that you you have this really developed sense of emotion and 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 caring about story and um, and people and good beating evil and like, that's great. Like we. we that's, without having to crowbar in a gospel message, I think we can affirm it, yeah. and then um, and then and then welcome young people to have a similar experience, a similar spiritual experience in our churches. Yes, deep encounter. I love it. I absolutely love it. Okay, so let's get to the interview. So this uh, is a conversation I had with Chris Gwaltney. Chris is uh, he refers to himself as chief executive nerd. Uh, at lovethynerd.com, which is a a ministry designed specifically at reaching uh, young people and actually people of all ages uh, who are in nerd culture. Uh, I think it's a really fascinating conversation. I hope you enjoy it too. This is Chris Courtney. Well, this is this is great. Yeah. I feel like I've just seen on your um, your jumper there, Chris. You've got. Uh, love thy nerd but it also it says like whovian mm-hmm. and gamer and jedi and some things i don't know what they are so what is the what is <laughs> so there's whovian you shouldn't you know whovian oh, yeah, man i'm i let we don't even get started on that because 
I'm like an I'd enormous, love to get started on I'm that. an enormous Doctor Who nerd, but like to a level that that actually um, like it's too much. So like you've watched all the classic ones like from <sighs> First Doctor on, because that's yeah. not common here. In the yeah. States, like when people are Doctor Who fans, they started with the reboot, right? Yeah. Like my wife went back and watched some of the classics. She probably made it to like third or fourth Doctor, yeah. I think. And I would see some episodes here and there, but like I, it was, it's old. <laughs> like it, it shows its age, obviously. And so I just had a hard time getting through them. But the, all the reboot stuff, like I'm a huge fan. Doctor Who got me through my childhood. So <laughs> I... Yeah. Um, I essentially like the great, and I, this is a great place to start, right? Because, mm. um, because as a young person who didn't really fit, you know, having, I was not a big, strong kind of jock, you know, yeah, I yeah. was, I, I, I was a bit geeky and nerdy and, you know, didn't have lots of friends. And actually to have this very alternative hero on the television when I was growing up was just amazing for me. So that's why I had like every single doctor who episode on video and mm. uh, and then all the books they used to publish these target paperbacks i don't know if you've ever seen these uh mm. but, but i had like 178 of these books and there were like 180 and i could never find the two that were out of print <laughs> it's, it's still i'm still upset about it but so mm. old who was like my thing really i was like growing up i went to i queued up for five hours to get sylvester mccoy's autograph like that's how bad oh, it was yeah so how really, good it was not bad so, how good so i'm so i'm your people chris dude like, i love hearing that because you actually just made me i've never thought of this before uh, this specifically where you know doctor who what the first one came out in the 60s sometime yeah, yeah. like for that kind of hero to exist in that time period like a hero that wasn't about like guns blazing violence like killing bad guys all that kind of, like a hero that like used intellect and wit and cleverness to like overcome obstacles and especially in the reboot again i've not watched a lot of classics but especially in the reboot like is as much about redemption and beauty and hope and like all those kinds of qualities that aren't common in like heroes like normally our heroes are like marvel heroes right like they just beat yeah. up bad guys and then move on um yeah i i you just you made me realize like how much more special Doctor Who is. Now I have to go back and watch the classics. So thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. You have to go and watch the old ones. And <laughs> I think like you didn't, if you didn't make it to Tom Baker, like Tom Baker is like the great. She did make it like that was her, like she really, really enjoyed Tom Baker's seasons. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's obviously like one of most people's favorites. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. For me, like I think, you know, people always ask like, who's your favorite doctor? And they're always talking about the reboot. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I don't know that I can pick a favorite cause I really like them all differently. You know I mean? Eccleston's like, he's the one that, that started it all and got us into it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, even as corny and campy as those initial episodes are like, it was still just had so much charm. Tenant, a lot of people will say tenants, their favorite. Not and I tenant. think he brought a, a tremendous amount to the show i think a lot of it was the writing too like davies like russell t davies the writing that came in those seasons was just like holy crap i don't know anyway we can go on and on about dr who you <laughs> asked about the other uh you asked about the other Yo, words here. Why is so the otaku, otaku what is that otaku are um it's a, it's a japanese word 
and I hope I get this right because I'm not an otaku, but it's essentially a word for just like obsessed to the max. And it's it's used in reference to people that are about anime, um, like huge anime fans is otaku. And then you've got cosplayer, which cosplay, you know, that's people that dress up as their favorite characters from pop culture stuff. Could be Doctor Who, could be video games, anything else. And they go to conventions and show off their rad costumes. Um, and we've got gamer and geek and other ones on there, too. And then we just have dot, 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 because you could add any number of other <laughs> terms and words on here to describe like nerds. So, um, so you, you, have, you have this ministry uh, called Love Thy Nerd. Mm -hmm. And so I found out about this thing kind of quite accidentally, but immediately was just completely uh, enraptured by this idea of somebody <laughs> reaching out like like a mission to geek culture, nerd culture. Yeah. Like, wow, this is so interesting. So tell us a bit of the story. Like, what is it and how did you how did you even come up with this thing? Yeah. <clears throat> well, thanks for having me. I mean, it's it's always I obviously always love talking about LT and love that nerd. And it really is in the name. Um, you know, it's obviously a play off of, you know, Jesus asking us to love our neighbors, love thy neighbor. And LTN is we're a we're a missions outreach organization um, that, you know, we kind of have two, two different ways to say it. We want to be the love of Jesus to nerds and nerd culture. We want to love and serve our nerdy neighbors. Um, you know, those of us that started this were, we're all Christians ourselves. We've worked in various levels of ministry and churches and all different kinds of things. And all of us in a lot of cases have been nerds longer than we've even been Christians. And that's certainly my story. And unfortunately we've seen the way that nerd culture has often been treated by the church and by Christians. And at best, nerd culture is ignored um at worst it's demonized you know you're going to hell or that's sinful or etc cetera, etc cetera. and so you know we know that the two things can coexist because it does inside of us and many other people that we've met and so we wanted to tell a different story of who we think jesus is and what he's about when it comes to nerds and so I like to think of this kind of picture where we're sort of on this island in the ocean and, you know, in one direction we look out and there's a shoreline and there's a group of people there. And that's, that's our people. That's the nerds. You know, that's the, that's the Whovians, that's the otaku, that's the furries, that's the gamers, that's everybody sitting out there on that shoreline. And if we look in the other direction and an opposite shoreline is the church and Christians and also our people, also the people that have meant a lot to us and have gotten us through our lives. And unfortunately, both shorelines are looking at each other and wagging their fingers. It's probably not this index finger. <laughs> it might be a different <laughs> finger they're wagging. And we kind of see an opportunity for us to build a bridge in both directions and say, hey, nerds, first of all, we're sorry. We're sorry for how you've been treated, how we've had a part in that if we've had a part in that and that's not what jesus thinks about you he loves you accepts you no matter what but then to look at the church say hey church you screwed it up again and that's okay you know you did it with elvis you did it when you burned books you did it with the beatles you did it with harry potter 
you still kind of do it with Harry Potter yeah. amazingly to me. Um, but we have an opportunity here to build a bridge instead of burning one down. Mm. And so that's really what we see ourselves being about is building a bridge in those directions, loving nerds, reaching nerds, um, people that have traditionally been hurt and trying to repair that damage, but also trying to reach the people that have done the hurt. And most of the time it's not malicious. It's just out of ignorance and help educate them and, and teach them things, even things that the church could learn from nerd culture. Um, so. So this is really interesting to me. So, so just, just, Let's unpack what you mean, because you, you, you're talking about very broadly this idea of the church um, sometimes being really horrid to nerd mm -hmm. culture. But what do we mean specifically? So, I mean, I, I can think of like there's actually been books published about the evils of uh, Dungeons and Dragons and role playing oh, games. Sure. Yeah. And you just mentioned Harry Potter. You know, what would be some other examples of stuff in nerd culture? that has been that could have been embraced but instead has been demonized yeah. like that well dungeons and dragons is a huge one i mean people still talk about i don't know if this was much of the thing um over in the uk but here there was something in the 80s called the satanic panic and it was basically all about dungeons and dragons um there was a guy i forget his first name his last name was chick and he made these these things called chick tracts um, which maybe you've heard of. Yeah, yeah. But they got a hold of D&D &D and created this whole propaganda campaign about how it's poisoning our children's minds. It's turning them to the devil. They're worshiping Satan when they do this, like all of this sort of propaganda rhetoric. And people just latched onto it. And what a lot of people don't know is that actually uh, the guy that created D&D, &D, or at least one of them, was actually himself a Christian. Wow. Um, and so, yeah, it's just this this weird thing that happened in the 80s. All these people latched on to, and it just kind of went from there. And still today, like the effects of it, I mean, what, 40 years later, still happening today. People that something 40 years ago are latched on to with basically little to no facts or information it's it's funny to see how even in a time before social media <laughs> how fake news was like such a thing um but yeah there's that um so a lot of what we do with ltn is we travel to conventions um so these big nerd gatherings you know gen con e3 pax um Eurogamer. we've been to Eurogamer a long time back um over there in birmingham and uh it's not uncommon here, at least in the States. I haven't seen it over there, uh, but here in the States, it's not uncommon for there to be like Christian protesters outside the <laughs> convention. Um, so sometimes it's mild, you know, they're just standing there silently with like a picket sign with some random out of context verse on it. And other times it'll be really extreme where, you know, it's a guy with a megaphone and he's shouting at people to, you know, turn from their sin or they're going to hell or one time. Uh, this was when I was working with another organization, but we had a lady come to our booth in tears because her and her young daughter were shouted at by a Christian uh, out front about how she was leading her daughter to hell and, you know, all these horrible things like 
when women like show up in cosplay, like in costumes and stuff, they'll shout at them that they're like, you know, sluts and whores and all these kinds of things. Like, it's just, it's like horrible stuff. And so that's the picture that people have of Christians. Um, you know, I still, it, it's funny because like, I've been doing this for, I don't know, eight, eight, nine years. Um, and just when I think that we're like, we're getting past it. Cause honestly, like, thanks to the Marvel movies, it's kind of cool to be a nerd nowadays. Like there's a lot of pop culture stuff and it's not like it was, you know, when you were growing up or I was growing up, um, at least in most parts. And every time I think we're kind of past it, I'll hear another story from somebody in a church that was rejected or made to feel less than because mm -hmm. of some nerd thing that they like. Yeah. Um, so it's just, it's, it's wild to me that it's still happening. Um, but it's not surprising, I guess, yeah. because we just, we kind of do that. As yeah, we humans. do. We do. Um, so what are some of the things that you, I love this, this picture of the, of the bridge building from kind of in both directions. Um, so what are some of the things that you actually do? What are some of the sort of activities of mm -hmm. Love I Know? And you've got this brilliant website. So people listening to this can come and check you out and, and read some stuff that you've written and so on. But, but talk us through a little bit of the kind of work of Love I Know. Yeah, so we essentially boil everything down to three main uh, pillars. We'd call it the Triforce, but we'd probably get sued. So <laughs> we're just going to go with pillars. Or we'll call it, you know, generic triangular object of ultimate power. How about that? <laughs> um, so there's, there's, three, there's three of these areas. And everything that we do can essentially be summed up in these things. The first of those, no particular order, is thoughtful content. So we knew going into this that we wanted to create content. So we have a website where we do blog style articles. We have a podcast network. We have a, a Twitch channel, a YouTube channel. Um, we even have a radio station now, uh, randomly. And we knew we wanted to create content, but <clears throat> the reason we say thoughtful is because there is a lot already of Christian content out there, content specifically for Christians. That exists. We don't need to reinvent the wheel on that. What we wanted to do is find a unique space where we could speak to, again, if we're building bridges in both those directions, where we could have a unique position to speak to both of those groups. Um, so that's really what we try to do with our content. We don't want to speak specifically to Christians. We don't want to alienate the people that we're also trying to reach, which are people that in some cases hate Christians. Um, and so that's a line that we're constantly trying to toe with all of our content. And sometimes we'll lean one way or the other, you know, it's, it's impossible to perfectly balance it. Um, but that's always a consideration for us is how do we be really thoughtful about what we're doing? You know, the, the articles that we write on the site, you're never going to find review type stuff on our site. Like, Hey, this is a nine out of 10, or this is a five out of 10. Like we just want to find the meaningful moments in the things we're consuming, games, shows, movies, et cetera, find those meaningful moments and highlight those and talk about those, whether that has to do with our faith, our family, our friends, our world around us, politics, whatever, um, and, and extract and talk about those things. So that's really what our content's all about. Um, secondly is uh, relational outreach. So I already mentioned the conventions that we go to. That's a big part of our outreach where we go to these conventions. We don't have a booth or anything, but we essentially do missions trips to nerd conventions. So you could go on our website right now. You could sign up and come on a trip with us. Um, 
And essentially what we do is uh, lots of different things, but we broadly, generally want to be an intentional, loving and serving presence in the convention space to the attendees, to the volunteers there, to the exhibitors there, to everyone there. And so that looks like a lot of different things. Uh, lately, what it's looked like is we've been able to build a lot of really cool relationships in the industry itself with developers and publishers. And and part of that has been just from us serving them. And a lot of that looks like us volunteering in their booth, helping demo their games for them or helping them pack up or helping them set up and just doing all kinds of stuff like that. So that's been some really cool stuff where we've had like companies reaching out to us and saying, hey, like, we need help. Could you guys come help? And maybe part of that is just because we're free labor. <laughs> but, you know, other times it's because of the relationships that we've built. Um, and, you know, one of my other favorite things that we do is we we have these cards uh, that we call stat boost cards. And they're just these little business card size things. And they just say something to the effect of like, hey, your cosplay is really cool. Keep it up. And, you know, another one, one of my favorite ones was like um, that we would give to the janitors, the people that are cleaning up our trash all weekend that no one ever thinks about. And we just say, hey, like, thanks for cleaning up after our mess all weekend. And so we just go around and like hand those cards to people. And then, you know, there's also a thing on there that says like, you know, pass this on or something like that. Um, so we just try to do really intentional stuff. But again, it's not just outreach, it's relational outreach. Because for us, it's all about the relationship. Too often, we've felt and experienced that Christians, um, they don't start with the relationship, they start with the agenda, they start with the thing that they want out of the person, right? I want this person to convert to my religion. And so I'm going to start there. And that for us, one is just not how we see Jesus doing it. And two, it doesn't, in my opinion, work. Um, at least in my experience. So for us, we wanted to start with the relationship and earn the right, earn the trust to be able to speak meaningfully to uh, these people. So that was relational outreach. Lastly is intentional community. This one's pretty simple. This is, you know, if we're reaching the people, what are we doing with those people once they're reached? What are we welcoming them into? What kind of space is that? Um, and so that's for us, the intentionality behind like creating a safe, accepting environment for anybody to exist. Even if you like Star Trek more than Star Wars, it's fine. You are accepted. I know it's hard. Well, do you not draw a line there? It's hard for me to believe too. Okay. Yeah. Like that's my sin. I'm dealing with it. But uh, <laughs> yes, even if, even if you are welcome here. Uh, but really what that looks like is we didn't want to create a Christian club. We still don't. We don't want to create a Christian club. There's plenty of those. And that's fine. You can if if you want to find that, you can find that. It's not going to be us because we want to have a space where everybody can exist and we can nerd out about our nerd thing and we can talk about deep stuff or we can just talk about who our favorite doctor is um, and everything else in between. So practically, you know, we've got a Facebook group that's like 35, 3600 people. Um, we have our Twitch community that's been very new for us during the COVID stuff. Um, we have a discord community that's, you know, seven, 800 people. And, um, we're also once, you know, this pandemic ever relents, uh, we'll be able to also start encouraging more like local meetup kind of things in person and that kind of stuff. So, and lastly, sort of wrapped up in all of that, we do our own conference every year, LTN con, um, the last, well, last year and this year it'll be online. 
um, you know, the first year we did it in person. And so that's just kind of a culmination of everything, trying to get all the people in the room that want to be Jesus to nerds and, and learning and talking and sharing and, and all that good stuff. So. Wow. So, so this uh, season of our podcast is all about uh, innovation and innovative approaches to mission mm. and ministry. And this feels like a, like a case study to me. This is really why I wanted to talk <laughs> to you uh, in, in what it looks like to think innovatively about how we reach our culture. Because wrapped up, and you, you didn't really say this, but wrapped up in, in what you said is this implied idea that church is not working as it is or, or yeah. the way that we try and reach people in our culture, young and old, because because nerd culture kind of spans quite a generation uh, uh, divide now. It does now. Yeah, it's kind um, of wild. Like the, the years that go on, it's like nerds get older and older, you know. Yeah, and just new nerds <laughs> coming in. It's like mm-hmm. it's almost like church should be. Um, mm. but, but clearly there's this Im- implication that that church wasn't working. And so um, y- you've gone back to, to listening to really to the, to the culture and to w- what's yeah. really going on. And, and you're seeking to build bridges between kind of the world as it really is and, um, and, and actually this incredible character of Jesus who hasn't changed and we, and we desperately love but realize we haven't represented very well. Um, so yeah. that seems pretty amazing. And so does that... Has that kind of taken off? You know, have you sensed that like people are, are mm. just recognizing that this is this is it? This is the thing that they've been waiting for. That people who found no sense of home and connection in in church and faith before now do. Yeah, I mean, it's been great. Like, uh, I'm often surprised at the people that you know find find a home with us and people that you know, maybe don't have their own home church and it's really run, it's run the spectrum, you know, people that, that would identify as Christian, um, you know, who have found a place with us and people that don't, that have found a place with us. You know, some of my favorite, uh, posts that'll pop up in our community from time to time will be people that are not Christian and they'll start commending us or start, you know, thanking us for like, Hey, thanks for, you know, having this place where I can be myself and I don't feel, you know, rejected or ostracized or any of that kind of thing. You know, I just really appreciate that. Or, you know, we, I have stories of, of this one guy who, you know, when we met him, he was the staunchest of atheists and like the, the combative of atheists, you know, like not just, there's some atheists that are just like, Hey, I'm cool. I don't believe you do believe like whatever, but there's some that are like, they are embattled, <laughs> you know, they're like, they're ready to go to war. And I would say the same of there's Christians like that too. Um, and that's how he was when we met him. And, you know, he was, we hung out with him for a whole weekend at a convention and, you know, he was cracking jokes like, Oh, you know, I'm the atheist hanging out with a bunch of Christians. haha. And, you know, now he's not a Christian, but I can absolutely guarantee you his perspective of Christianity and Christians has changed. He's still upset. He's still, you know, mad at the Christians that, in his opinion, suck. Mm. But he is speaks so highly of us. This sounds like I'm really bragging, but like I think it's a testament to what the Holy Spirit can do when we mm. just show up and be people to people and drop our agenda of trying to convert everybody, just be a person to another person. And the Holy Spirit will do what it does. 
And, you know, now he's, you know, he posts often about, you know, us and how we've changed his perspective of Christians. And, you know, I, one time, one of my favorites is like, he, you know, I don't know if you're on Facebook much, but when you're scrolling through your Facebook feed, sometimes you'll see your friends that have commented on other posts that you're not even like friends with those people or whatever. And I saw one of those from him one time where it was some friend of his or some, I don't remember that was complaining about Christians and how much Christians suck and they're the worst, yada, yada. And he commented on that saying like, yes, but let me tell you about these, these people that I did meet that I think are like redeeming some of that or like helping yeah. some of that. And that's like, that's it right there for me. That's like, great. you know, so yeah, I think we have seen a lot of that. I think the, the area that we're still trying to crack the nut is partnering with churches um Mm. and that's just something that i don't know if churches aren't ready i don't know if we're not ready i don't know if we just we haven't done the right thing um but we've not had a lot of success or opportunities to like really partner with churches in a way that's like you know, we can, we can point people to them as like a nerd friendly church or something like that. Cause mm-hmm. unfortunately, like of the churches that I know, there aren't a lot that I would send, you know, this guy I'm mentioning, like if he ever wanted to go to a church, like there aren't a lot I would send him to, uh, because I think he wouldn't feel comfortable there. So well, still a long way to go, but we've, we've definitely seen a lot of really cool, really cool things happening. We, we haven't talked to, too much about young people uh, so far, mm. and obviously that's our kind of focus on this on this podcast. Yeah. Um, so just, you know, most people listening to this uh, will be youth pastors, youth leaders, mm-hmm. uh, and they will know young people who definitely fit into the category, you know, nerd. Yeah. Uh, young people who are kind of in their, in their groups, connected with their churches, but also young people they meet in the... Um, community i guess my question is what would you say to them what is a sort of uh some good first thoughts about how we reach mm. uh young people who who aren't you know into sports and you know some of the other stuff that we put on but actually yeah. have seen every single uh thing in the mcu including the like little <laughs> short extra things and good mm. quote and you know those kids that, like quote <laughs> random bits yeah. of movies at you and you know those i've got those kids in my youth group so yeah so help me how do we reach those kids? <laughs> uh if you're not playing dungeons and dragons drop everything you're doing and start playing dungeons and dragons currently it is the most popular it has ever been in its 40 year history um and a lot of that is largely in part due to um critical role uh which is you know they're they're a group that streams D. they've been doing it for years hugely popular they've popularized D in a big way stranger things is also to thank for that you know popularizing D. and the reason i say that somewhat in jest but i'm also a little bit serious is because it can be such a valuable tool for teaching and learning um you know we were talking about jamie harris a little bit earlier he's a friend of mine who runs an organization in oregon and he's used D to train his student leaders um in his organization you know he used to be a youth pastor and now he does a lot of stuff with students and he's used you know role-playing sessions to train students in how to be more effective in ministry um 
there's lots of stuff out there about D&D and its benefits. But I think more more broadly, what I would say is we actually created, uh, co-created a resource uh, specifically for what you're asking. It's called Developing Digital Disciples. You could find it at lovethynerd.com slash 3D, just the number three, the letter D. Um, and it's an entire resource about exactly what you asked. How wow. do we, um, it's, it's more specific for video games. Um, but really the, the philosophy behind it is in my opinion, it's the Jesus approach. It's, mm. it's how we should approach reaching people, period. doesn't matter if it's video games, anime, sports, I don't care. Um, so yeah, I mean, basically what's behind that is, is kind of these four, four phases, which is, um, finding affinity, creating proximity, um, growing influence and empowering disciples. And essentially what this is, is it's, you know, find affinity, find the thing that, that you have in common with the people group you're trying to reach. So in this instance, with this resource, it's video games, right? Um, but even beyond that, like what games are your kids playing Minecraft? Are they playing Fortnite? Are they playing Apex? Are they playing Splitgate? Are they playing, I mean, the list goes on and on, but find that affinity with them and then secondly is create proximity, create opportunities to share that affinity together, hmm. right? So have a Minecraft, you know, we do, we do a, a Minecraft league um, with LTN where we, every week we uh, teams compete, submit builds and we judge those builds and it's just a great time. So, you know, create those opportunities to be in proximity events, whatever that looks like. Thirdly is growing influence because you have that proximity now. You think of the disciples with Jesus, like how much influence Jesus had with them because of that proximity, because of that relationship. So then that's where you're able to start having those conversations and growing that influence. And then lastly is empowering disciples. That's the step. That's the multiplication step, right? Where now these people have learned the way they've, they've gotten the dust on them from the rabbi and they're able to then go out and, and multiply. Um, so I would just say, and honestly, my, my advice is similar even for parents, which is like, just get in there and get your hands dirty. I don't mm -hmm. care if you're not a gamer, youth pastors. I don't care if you're a youth pastor, you're in the business of youth. You're in the business of students, which means you have to be in the business of what they're in the business of. Mm -hmm. And so if they're in the business of Minecraft and you hate Minecraft, sorry about you, get in there and do it because you will be, I cannot tell you how much, uh, how much clout you will earn with them by doing the thing that they're about. Um, and my advice is the same for parents. You know, I think that's, that's one of my major uh, regrets or like just bums me out about my childhood is that my parents hated video games, like hated them. And that was never something we got to share. And they and I missed out on a lot of great opportunities uh, because they just could not, for whatever reason, get in there and just do it. Um, and so that's that's my advice, I guess. It's, it's also worth saying um, that kids love to tell you, like nerdy kids oh my love gosh, to tell dude. you about the stuff that they're yes. working on. So and, and the, and everybody's the stuff favorite subject is themselves. Right. Yeah. And yeah. Like, so especially they love nerd. to what tell nerd you about doesn't want to what nerd doesn't want to nerd out about their nerd thing. I yes. mean, the first thing I mentioned to you is Doctor Who and you about jumped out of your seat through so the camera excited. at me. 
you know? so excited. Yeah, yeah. We, we could, I mean, yeah, yeah. We don't have time to get into that, but I am, I am, a, uh, I am a Doctor Who nerd for sure. Yeah, but, yeah. but I found with kids, you know, you don't have to watch all the things that they're watching no. and play all the games that they're playing. It's just about being interested. Kids, I've seen recently, they keep wanting to talk to me about this manga thing. It's a volleyball mm. show, a manga volleyball. Oh, yeah. You know about this? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, there's a lot of weird anime shows, man. Like, they're just, that is, that is a world that I'm like, yeah, teach me because I have no exactly. clue what's happening here. Yeah, but that's there, kind dude, of there's anime first, like about food and there's all kinds of anime shows about just <laughs> random stuff, man. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, not my special subjects, but the same same true with video games, and you know, and and then they 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 do like it when you can you can show that you are at least interested in some aspect of, and yes. I feel like the easiest way in for us as youth workers in 2021 is uh, is is the MCU. I feel like that's mm. the the yeah. lowest bar because most of us kind of know enough. We've used Thanos as a sin illustration. <laughs> you know, we, we've all kind of watched at least a few movies. And so, yeah. so they want to show, they want to know that you're kind of interested, but you don't need to know it all is what I'm saying. Yeah. And something you made, you made such a great point and something that we talk about in this resource is be a student yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, like completely flip the power dynamic. That's what Jesus did constantly flipped the power dynamic became a servant when he was the one entity in all creation that had the right to not be a servant and he did so when you can flip that power dynamic with your students you're showing them jesus in some ways Um, but also like think about yourself when you were a kid right and the people you looked up to the adults that looked up to you when they took an interest in you like all bets were off man like daddy issues aside, like we were all about it, you know? Um, and so I think you're totally right. Like become the student yourself, get off of your seat of authority and power and let a student be there and teach you about the thing that you probably don't care about, but you care about that student. Uh, Chris, um, I, I, I don't want to hold you for too much longer, but I feel like as we have you here, this could be an opportunity to get some great insights into, you know, everyone's, everyone's always looking for the next Netflix box set recommendation. <laughs> you obviously have a broader canvas than that. So I wondered if you would recommend like three things in the world of like TV or movies or gaming that oh we, should, we should check out that our students, our young people might be interested in. Like what's, what's, got Chris Waltney excited right now? Well, number one, I already mentioned was Dungeons and Dragons. Um, It doesn't have to, uh, I guess I would more broadly say tabletop RPGs. doesn't have to be. So Dungeons and Dragons is just one setting of tabletop RPGs. There are hundreds, if not thousands of settings of tabletop RPGs. Um, I would just highly recommend it because it creates a space for your students to be creative, imaginative, and it's just raw, like it's just raw space. And what, what teacher, cause pastors, you know, you're listening to this leaders, your teachers, um, your disciplers, like that is the perfect space. Now I'm not saying make it cringy, <laughs> but you can create those spaces to be really meaningful and thoughtful and intentional with your students 
and you almost trick them into learning stuff, which is great. Um, so I would say D and D absolutely. Um, for, uh, oh, I had another thought. Oh, <laughs> we've talked about it a few times, honestly, Dr. Who, and I'm not just saying that to like get on your good side, Martin, like to me, Dr. Who is such a wonderful, um, example of, of Jesus in a lot of ways. Like there's so many parallels there with the way that the doctor approaches problem solving and dealing with people. Um, it's, it's beautiful. Like it's, it's a wonderful, um, example of that stuff. And, uh, for maybe like a video game that I would recommend is God of war, uh, the most recent. So there was like a, there was a trilogy of God of war games, you know, way back. And those are whatever, they're just stupid action games, but the most recent one that came out and there's a sequel coming out to it was wild. Like it, it completely blew everybody away because, you know, this original trilogy of God of War games, they were just kind of these stupid hack and slash gory, you know, mature kind of whatever, no real storytelling. Like nobody cared about that part, but this new one that came out, it was like this gripping father son story. And it brought all of us with daddy issues to our knees, like just holy crap. You know, um, we have a great article on our site, uh, about it. But it's an incredible, I mean, seriously, like, it's not super long, um, but it's a great story. There's lots of wonderful talking points from it. Um, so, so yeah, I think those would be my recommendations. There's, awesome. I mean, as you guys know, there's tons of stuff out there. Well, I think what people need to do is check out your website. So they just go to the homepage, lovethynerd.com. Yeah, lovethynerd.com. Um, everything is everything is there. You know, we have the Facebook group that I mentioned. I mean, you just search Love Thy Nerd anywhere. You'll find us. Twitch, Discord, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. We just started our TikTok because we're so hip and cool. Um, yeah, all the well, things. I, I don't know what all those things are, but hopefully somebody <laughs> listens to this stuff. Uh, thanks for joining us, Chris. Yeah, absolutely, Mark. That was great, Martin. Thank you for those sweet little insights. So this is my question for you, Martin. I want to bring it. I want to bring it to you particularly. It's what, what what do we do with this in our in our context? So here I am up in Blackburn. It's very very diverse racially, ethnically, religiously. But if there is a strong culture among young people that cuts across race and religion, I would say it is the nerd culture, and it it really has slightly taken me by surprise how dominant a culture is in, in a place where other cultures and other labels are very dominant too like the religious label is a massive one here for christian muslim hindu young people um so but i'm not a nerd i you know i don't i'm not going to be watching movies at, at midnight you know unless it's wuthering heights i'm i i don't i don't particularly enjoy playing computer games but i absolutely love young people and i love connecting with them and listening to them what, what role do i have in in innovation with young people this is their world what does that look like well first thing to remember is of course in this world young people are the experts so even it moves so fast that even even i with a passing interest in in marvel and other things like that you know i can't keep up with the geekery of it whereas young people are amazing at somehow like they're constantly grabbing data points all the time through their social media and and the things that they watch and listen to um, and so, uh, so young people are the experts. So that's the first thing. So they become our sort of navigators and guides. 
And then the great thing about this is it's sort of really exciting, fresh, new territory for us to plow as the church, because we haven't really done a good job of engaging with nerd culture in any other way than what I talked about before the yes. interview, uh, that this idea of kind of appropriating, yeah. and turning it into an object lesson. Mm -hmm. um, so actually the idea of like applying the, the principles of innovation, listening to the culture, asking ourselves what's the best way that we could respond, create, Christ-centered community, you know, around this stuff, you know, that's really for everyone listening to this to figure out. Um, and, you know, you, you were talking to me before we started about the fact that in, in Blackburn, you see this all the time. You see this stuff springing out, like community around um, nerd culture, right? Mm -hmm, absolutely. My husband loves this. It's his favorite place in the world. So it's called Geek Retreat. And it is all the old games, and it is where young people go to play like hours on end, Dungeons and Dragons. And and when we first moved in, Jason and I were like, "That's how we need to be. We just need to be in there." And and our initial thought was, "We need to be in there running Youth Alpha." And then of course we're like, "No, of course we're not in there running Youth Alpha. We're we're in there just listening with to young people and and just working out." And, and I think even that was a little wake up call of gosh, yes, we still do have our set way of doing things. We just do it in a different room. <laughs> it, you know, isn't the same as saying, here's a fantastic bunch of young people who are making sense of reality and they're creating reality and, and let's, let's be part of that. The interesting thing for us up here is that we, we're, we're out on the street a couple of times a week with our team chatting with you know the 16 to 25 year olds that are knocking about Central Blackburn because they've got a, an hour long break in, in college. And they are really up for chats, like in the way that in London, young people would were very, very suspicious, understandably so, because like there's a, there's a terrible legacy in London of, of you know, street preachers and stuff. But up here, they just, they've got time, it's cold. They'll sit on a park bench with you and chat for quite a long time about death, life, suffering, pain, church. And invariably when we say, talk to us about church, they say, well, no, I'm, it's just, I just it doesn't connect with me I used to go to church but then and it's often Martin somebody in my family died or my parents got split up or I love that someone lost their job it was a point of crisis mm. and the church it just wasn't the place that that they felt was a comfort or helping them make sense of this wow. devastating new reality but geek retreat does yeah does wow interesting does. gosh wow I mean that's so that's one end of it in terms of innovation. Like, could we be creating actual spaces of Christian community around nerd culture? I think it's really, I think it's a really interesting opportunity for innovation. Again, not to just come in and steal bits from it and then make it all about us, um, but actually because we love young people, can we create community around them? And then by being ourselves and talking about things like life and death naturally, you know, have we got a bridge there to talk about the gospel, um, which we earn rather than... Mm -hmm. uh, taking but the other end of it is just in the in the youth group context you know is it possible sometimes to to get those experts in your in in the group and you've probably you've never even probably thought of them in this way but the 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 expert in your youth group who knows far too much about like retro video gaming could you work with them to put on a retro video gaming night for your young people or something like that you know and get some old games consoles from somewhere and you know, I mean, honestly, there's huge possibilities in every area of nerd culture there, um, especially if we listen to the young people in our very midst. Yes. And I wonder, I mean, the other challenge for us is, particularly if we're in church settings where we're doing quite a lot of outreach, is that young people themselves will 
often be quite like no I don't associate with so if I'm if I'm like a, a sports jock then I yeah. don't really associate with the nerd kids at school and so there's an interesting challenge really about when when do those identities yeah when do those when does that culture need to give way for this new culture of the kingdom of God as well. And that, I mean, that feels to me like, gosh, I can't even get my head around the first thing, let alone trying to develop the second thing. But I guess a good thing is for us to ask ourselves, if a young person walked into the youth group that we're leading or the lunch club, would they see young people like themselves as? And not just do young people yeah. see other young people in church, but when they walk into our settings, do, would they say, this is not for, for a young person like me? And just ask ourselves questions like that is quite important, isn't it? Um, yeah, it is. I any of you at the National Youth Ministry Weekend, but on the, on the Sunday when I left, this young sort of guy in his mid-twenties was walking towards me and I knew he wasn't one of our National Youth Ministry guys because he wasn't wearing a lanyard and he was wearing a full body armour. And I just, I stopped in front of him and I just said, please, just please tell me about this. Because I just was like, I have no idea why you're wearing that, what that is, but it's so incongruous with the setting. You're walking past a pond, between a pond and a hotel, and you're dressed as this extraordinary, like, warrior king. And we had this amazing conversation. But I just thought, actually, my instinct in that moment was to say, I have no idea what this is, but I'm just so arrested by it. Please, will you tell me what this is? And I guess that's the heart of incarnational youth ministry, isn't it? I have no idea what this is that you're going through or what you're wearing or what you're presenting to me or what you're saying. But I'm deeply curious It's because it fascinates you, so it's going to fascinate me. <laughs> that's a brilliant place to leave it as well, actually. Um, because I think we've talked, to, we've, we've hit on something really rich and important today, actually. Um, and, uh, and thanks to our guest for that. Um, but I think I think we should all all do a little bit of thinking about this area because, you know, you touched on it just now with, you know, will, how are the sports jocks feel about this? But it's a bit like the uh, International Women's Day thing. You know, when's International Men's Day? Every day is International Men's Day. <laughs> um, it's a bit like that with this, you know. Oh, what, you know, what about how will the how will the sports people feel? How will uh, this group feel? Actually, like it's very rarely the day of the nerd. So um, wow. I think let's let's give them their day in our youth ministries and find a way of doing that. That'd be awesome. Day of the nerd. That's the next book after innovation, please, Martin. I will day, of <laughs> day of the nerd. Wait, oh, my next book after the innovation book is uh, <laughs> I was a teenage Doctor Who fan. Oh, I love it. We're, we're stacking them up. Friends, thank you so much for being with us for this um, for the first half of this season on innovation. Then the rest is coming after the Christmas break. And as we often hear, misquoted, but we know where it's coming from. There is some good theology in there. The best is still yet to come. So have a very wonderful Christmas. Light your radiators, fan your flames, get on your nerds, and we'll see you in January.